that you you know you have to get regular oil changes in your car or else it's going to cause a whole host of problems with it and you're like yeah no i totally agree got to get regular oil right. changes. That, that oil maintenance is very important he's like yeah exactly because if you don't it's going to lead to this i'm like i don't need i don't why i i i know i just said i know and you yeah. said you know i know like what and then they they tell you if you say you know you're like don't back talk i'm like i i wasn't but i see i wouldn't get the don't back talk i would just get an enumerated list of reasons as to why i was wrong like it was just oh. even if it was just even if i didn't agree path of least resistance agree <laughs> Because yeah. otherwise, you're not going to be told that you're an idiot. You're not mm. going to be told that you shouldn't backtalk or you shouldn't disagree with me. You're just going to be like scientifically broken down about how, why, and this is why all of what you've ever believed is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah, by the end of it, you just feel demoralized. You're just like, I'm just going to go question my existence. I'll be back. Yeah, you're like, I shouldn't have asked a question or asked for help. Like, <laughs> I just wanted a glass of water. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember or that usually talking about changing oil i remember the first time i learned how to change oil and um i think my dad went through a 45 minute briefing on a 10 minute project <laughs> he's like you you gotta get this and then if this because what he does is you know say how do you change oil he goes oh you take off the oil cap you you know take off the um cap on the bottom of the, the oil tank drain it put the new filter on and you're good he's gonna go through the 15 other scenarios that could happen you know maybe good oil on the filter and then you have to stab the filter with a uh, screwdriver to then twist it off he's like i'm like you didn't have to tell me the 15 things that could go wrong <laughs> like if something goes wrong I'll let you know. He's like, no, you got to know now. And then I forget. So it doesn't help me. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not writing this down and I do not have yeah. an eidetic memory. So I don't know what you're expecting. Hold on. Let me pull up my phone and record you saying all of yeah. this. Just to... <laughs> Oh, man. See, I, I exact same scenario, but instead of like the exacting step by step, it was history of which is no longer applicable to. So it'd be like, you know, before oil filters, they actually had, <laughs> like, I don't know, like a coffee pot that would pre-warm your life. I don't know what the fuck it was. So I never listened to these goddamn conversations. But that was the, like, depth of history. Because, like, in order to change the oil filter, you obviously needed to know what happened before the oil filter and why the oil filter now exists. That facilitates the changing of it. That's, yeah, I couldn't, I don't know what's worse, mine or that scenario um i'll choose neither <laughs> yeah that's the ideal but see the only benefit was is that you'd get that history lesson while you're doing it so oh, at least one okay. was happening with the other whereas yours kind of sounds like a bit of a stalemate at first and then you make a quick progress oh yeah no it was uh you can't do anything um if you're not holding eye contact with me and you know only focused mm -hmm. on me you're not listening Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They are the eye fuck learner. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know, eye contact is a, a great tool to have. And, you know, that was taught to me, you know, in the retail space, like to get people engaged is eye contact. But you can still multitask in, you know, 
learn and have eye contact. You don't have to be, like you said, I fucked. It's like... (laughs) Well, the thing is, is because in a lot of situations, eye contact can also be confrontational and uh, yeah. adversarial. You know what I mean? Like you can, by over-engaging with eye contact, you can alienate a person in a big way also, right? Yeah, exactly. Like I had, speaking of that, there was, I had this one coworker who, God bless his heart, was an amazing guy, was a very good um, conversationalist and could get you to buy anything but he was very pushy and it was the kind of pushy that um like oh hey how you doing do you want help with anything and you'd be like no i i'll come back to you when i need help then he'd still be engaged with you and be like okay well here's our 10 deals but also is there anything i can help you with like i'm really here for you and you know the second time they'd be like no and he would still engage after that. It's like, you have to back off. And like eye contact was his biggest thing too. So he'd just be like in a dead stare with these people in this small Carhartt store. And it's like, you're making this person feel so awkward. It's like... Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's like if you're if you're encroaching on like creeper level, like if you're being too clingy that I wouldn't want my girlfriend to be that way, I sure as shit don't want my salesman to be that way. Yeah, it was like, and it sucked too because he was, a, again, a great guy, but it's like a, as a salesperson, you know, or that portion of his sales was just like, you're too, too floored, man. Like, back yeah. off. <laughs> but, uh, well, I guess it looks like it's just us. <laughs> Apparently, he's maybe he comes he on. It, like, no, I did hear a Discord ding, but I think that's for a different channel. Not sure. I don't know. Maybe his Wi-Fi cut out or something. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, because it's not like him to not even respond. He's usually pretty quick on that. <clears throat> yeah, especially when you uh, pinged him or. What do they call that in this app? Adding or pinging? I have no clue, man. No. Yeah. I really got into <laughs> Discord. Like, when I joined this, you know, Semvic is when I really got into Discord. They're like, join the Discord channel. I was like, okay. Yeah, I literally ins- I downloaded Discord to to be able to message Semvic. I literally was just like, all right, Discord it. All right, I'll download Discord. Yeah. That's cool. Like, I'll get that. Like, all right. Cool. I, I've seen and heard about it, but I just had no reason to be using it myself. You know what I mean? So I was like, huh. Yeah, exactly. Like our, I have a one class, which I realized the reason they can't use Discord is because it's a free service. And I don't, I don't know the laws behind, you know, being able to use a free service as a university or whatever. So we have to use yeah, Slack. Yeah, because they're making money from their classes, so they could see it as oh. a subversion of like uh, offering. Got you. So they don't need to host a platform; they can just use a free platform. But they're charging you for access to that platform via a class registry. Oh yeah, I can see. That makes more sense now. But um, yeah, we have to use Slack, which I don't know if you know what that is. Never heard of it. It's uh, it's a carbon copy of Discord, but for business the business side of things oh okay so yeah that's pretty much it and it's it's kind of annoying because it's the one class 
out of like the five I have that uses it. It's like, why can't you guys only use Slack? It's like, yeah, that's weird. It's like, I got, I got classes on Slack. I got classes on zoom. I'm like, can we like morph the two? Like, yeah. I'm surprised that the school wouldn't consolidate it out of just like simplicity for themselves and just have themselves operating on one platform rather than leaving it like, I don't know, the professor choice or whatever. Making it easy for students? No, that's not their motive. No, they, yeah, they want your money and then for you to download as much apps as you can and buy overpriced textbooks. Yeah. Look, man, I had uh, I had my my academic um, or no, my department advisor misled me for my graduation, and I didn't graduate when I'm I was told I was going to. So I was fucking savage. Like she just, how does that happen? So she was the academic advisor for the philosophy department. She oh, okay. was standing in for the department head because they had gone on some type of leave or sabbatical or something like this. So she was the kind of interim or like operating department head and academic advisor. And so I went to see her in my graduating year and I was like, hey, like, this is the deal. Like my first two years, kind of a joke, but I do have some classes that might apply. Like I need help understanding and applying them towards my graduation uh, oh, okay. uh, application. And so we like went through it and she was like, yeah, you're totally fine. Like as long as these, your last semester goes fine, like you will need these courses. Like these aren't fluff, like you absolutely need them and you need to get like a certain grade point average in them in order to be able to graduate and everything will be fine for you. And I was like, okay, sweet. Seems like, fair enough. Do it. Yeah. Banged out the semester, like killed it, moved to Montreal, like to be with my wife and start my life after university and stuff like that. And like get oh, wow. a call from the university at my job one day uh and they were like yeah we received your application for graduation but i mean we're not really sure why you're applying for graduation i was like uh i want to gra- <laughs> i want to graduate <laughs> right usually yeah. these things are self-explanatory right like if i apply for a driver's license because i want to drive a car applying for graduations because i want to graduate and she was like yeah but you don't you don't meet the course requirement in order to complete your degree and i was just like what are you talking about and they're like yeah so like the courses that you applied from your first years as your distributions and blah 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 they're like yeah they don't apply like they would have applied to the original program that you started with but they don't apply to the program that you're trying to graduate under wow so in this like i said i changed my majors and stuff like that right gotcha when when she was going through my transcripts she misapplied the credits because she was looking under the wrong academic Uh... profile and so she misapplied the credits and said that I was going to be good to graduate and I had to do a bunch of correspondence. Oh, Lord. Yeah, that was... Oh, yeah, it was a fucking mess. That was kind of my my whole... My academic career, college-wise, is, has been pretty messy. Um, and it's come full circle, and I get to that in a bit. But um, basically, I started off... I'm young for my uh, class, age class, I guess. I was 17 when I graduated high school in you're usually 18 so in my mind i was like oh that's cool i graduated you know quote early but then i got to college like right out of high school that first semester and i was like i don't want to do this at all and i was in a sports uh, management degree because i was like i like sports i guess i like managing them i don't know and um Mm -hmm. so i did that and i was like that doesn't work so then i transferred schools and they're like, oh, so you're doing sports management. I'm like, no, can we do like business? And they're like, yeah, sure. So that never got changed. 
So like for oh, two semesters, they're like, you need to be doing sports management classes. I'm like, but I'm a business major. So I had to fight with that school. And then come to find out, I don't want to do business nor sports management. And now we're at graphic design. But what's full circle about it is in high school, I had visited these uh, colleges, which the one I'm currently at now um, was the first college I visited. And it was in the heart of Rhode Island, Bristol. And I was like, this campus is beautiful. You know, the degree is like you can essentially make your own degree. I was like, that's awesome. And um, then my parents were like, I like this uh, college too, or university. I'm like, no, never mind. I don't like this university. And the reason I didn't go to this school coming out of my senior year of high school was because my parents liked this school. I was like, teen angst, man. I was like, I can't be associated with my parents liking something I like. Yeah, and then that's not the way that plays. Yeah, I'm like, well, two years later, here I am. So, should have just swallowed (laughs) that humble pill, like. Yeah, man. Uh, Damn. So, but yeah, it's been. I mean, like my parents have said and friends have said, I wasn't ready at that age, but it's like. Had I gone to this school my first semester, I would have been, I mean, I'm 22. I would have been graduated by now. So it's like, but here we are, you know, I still got, I think a year and a half, two years to go. So it's not that much longer, but it would have just been nice to be, you know, working on my career and like settling down, that kind of thing. But I guess yeah, that, that shit's always happening, though, because even when you yeah. get into work, like, it, it can always shift on you. Like, for me, like, I just started because I moved to a province where English isn't the primary language, but it is my primary language. Oh, okay. And back when I first moved to Quebec, like, I didn't speak any French. Like, I could introduce myself. I could... Same. <laughs> suicide. I could suicide ask you where a bathroom was or, like, where, like, how to get some food or something, but it sounded brutal. <laughs> They're like, who is this guy? <laughs> so I just had to basically plug myself into jobs where I could get paid speaking English. You know what I mean? So like oh, okay. call centers and stuff like that. Oh. And then just from everything that you start taking on, so like even if you get a job right out of the gate, like designing for a company, like it could show you like you get start on like with a marketing team doing like graphic design for their campaigns and stuff. And then you end up doing something that like, I don't know you end up falling in love with character design. And so then you want to start like shifting and you, you know, do whatever you're like starting to apply to other things. Like that shit's so much more fluid than I think we're given credit for in university. You know what I mean? I feel like the university dream is sold to you as like, get educated, go out, work at what you want to do, work hard at it, climb the ladder, like get better, become a professional, set your life. And it's just like, nah, yeah, it's like, I that's know, not how it at works. At a certain point, specializing comes into it, or you may, like, take a slight diverted path that still involves what you started doing, but also incorporates other different elements that you didn't foresee because you got into a project that showed you you did like those elements of something. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, and, like, the, the thing with this degree, it you know, design communication, is, like, it it's so broad scope. So, you know, I specialize in 
<clears throat> logo design, but my friend is more of, you know, web design. And yes, they do have their own degree for that, but, you know, it's in the name web design is in design communication. So it's like, it's so broad scope. So it's like, yeah, down the road, you know, I, I get an internship, you know, with a marketing company and it's like, maybe I don't want to do logo design anymore. Maybe I get burnt out. I'm like, oh, maybe I go into uh, web design or, or whatnot, app development. Yeah. So, yeah. but then that leads me down a road of coding, which I believe my degree, I think I have a couple courses in coding. Um, but yeah, like it's just, it's so wide scope. So like whenever somebody asks me like my degree, I'm like, if it's digital and it's giving you information, that's what I do. It's like, that's cool. So, but yeah, it's, um, but yeah, I, speaking of burning out, not that I have, but there's this, uh, Netflix documentary I watched. Um, you might've heard of it. I don't know how much free time you have with Netflix, but, um, mm. it's, uh, called my octopus teacher. And okay. It, Haven't heard of it. So the basic premise, I'm more of like a documentary, uh, you know, type person, type guru, if you will. Um, but it's a documentary about this filmmaker who gets burnt out doing filmmaking and he lives off the coast of South Africa. And he's like, well, there's a reef over there. I'm going to learn how to free dive, which is absurd. Yeah. Um, no tanks, no nothing. Yeah. Just free diving in this reef. And he finds this octopus. And so the whole documentary is just him constantly going back to this one reef and finding the, the octopuses, um, like what are they calling cave or inhabitants, whatever. Yeah. And he's just essentially learning how to like slow down and like take everything in life just because he met this octopus. And, um, but it was like, that's kind of wild. And he got back into filmmaking, um, cause he, uh, photo and film documented this whole journey, but I think he dove a total of like 300 days in a row just for this octopus. I'm like, that's, wow. Yeah. I'm like that's dedication, but, Shit. but yeah, it's, it was definitely a good quick little documentary. I think it was like an hour and a half long. So it's not like too that's time cool. consuming, but yeah, it was pretty, it was wild too. I didn't know. I mean, I knew octopus were, or I think it's octopi are incredibly yeah. smart, but this documentary, like, I guess solidified it. Um, yeah. There's a lot of arguments that uh, octopus or octopi are actually smarter than humans. And especially due to the additional sensory networks that they have in order to have different sensory inputs. Um yeah, I that, think that they're actually smarter than humans, just in a different context. They're not like the creative inventor, maker, tool user, right. but because of their perceptual networks and the ways that they perceive their environment, like and utilize their environment, it's just bogglingly different. Yeah, I think they're. I think the because his documentary he did it on was it's called a common octopus, which is they only live to be like two years old. So it's a very short lifespan, oh. but I think the the giant octopus, 
has something like eight brains or something and nine hearts. Yeah, it's crazy the anatomy that they have. It's like, so you, I think, you know, without saying they have more brain power, but I don't know. That's definitely a big debate if it, they think they're smarter than humans. Well, I think the concept behind measuring smartness in a comparative context between species is the number of active neurons in the brain. Oh, okay. And like what their dedicated purposes are. So like, you know, like there's some animals that have large brains, but the brain is solely dedicated towards like predation instincts and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, well, that brain is elaborate in that one sense of gotcha. yeah. neural elaboration. But like dolphins, as an example, have an incredibly complex and interconnected neural net. And so that is why we accredit them with like higher levels of intelligence. And they show like creative and intuitive and inventive ways of being able to hunt and interact with their environment. Like, did you see those dolphins that create the like uh, dust ring smoke clouds? No, that's. Uh, So it's on one of those Planet Earth documentaries. David Attenborough is a god, in my opinion. Really? Oh, is you know, he the one that does? Do you know David Attenborough? It sounds familiar. Um, so David Attenborough is that kind of stodgy British uh, voiceover in every BBC uh, nature documentary. Oh, yes. I've, yeah. Yep. There's memes about him. There's there's so many. I mean, he's just like, he's a huge celebrity out of global conservation and awareness and biological research and stuff. He's crazy. So, uh Anyway, he was. They were doing one. I think it's uh, Planet Earth Two. So there's dolphins somewhere, and what they do is they basically one of them they push fish into uh, shallow water and into smaller groups, and then one of the dolphins separates and beats its tail against the flo- the wa- ocean floor in a circle, which causes all the sand to plume up into this like dirt cloud ring or dirt net. And the fish get freaked out because they're in such a close, confined space and can't see beyond the dirt and right. jump out of the water to try and escape. And then the what? dolphins on the outside just, like, sit there on their backs and just, like, catch the fish as they jump out of the air. That's wild. I have it's to. It's totally insane. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to find that. I was trying to look it up just on Google, and I, I guess I'll have to watch the whole Planet Earth, too. It, it's one of the first clips in it, though. Like when oh, you okay. look, because you know, planet Earths are broken down into the different habitats and stuff yep. like that. The one that catches the one that a dolphin would be in, like oceans or whatever, for planet Earth too. It's one of the first scenes in it. It's just stunning. It's crazy to see that level of like uh, yeah. inventive hunting. That's yeah. I'll have to check that out. I see it. Yeah, or there's like the crested capuchin that ripens nuts from trees to harvest and then uses like a hammer, like a stone and anvil concept to smash the dried nuts open, which was another stunning one. Oh, oh yeah. Like pick these fruits and then like lay them out in the sun for a couple of weeks and then go back to other ones that they had already laid out, take them up onto this like rocky hillside area and take one stone and smash it into the seed or whatever. Uh, nut or whatever on another anvil stone and break it open and it's like legitimate stone technology wow they're just wow i didn't realize animals were that smart oh yeah well the uh, orangutans will i think it's orangutans it's one of the primates they'll they, they use their saliva after they eat um 
like fruits and berries and stuff like that, they lick sticks and then stick them into termite nests and then basically what? use them like fishing rods and fish out termites off of the like sugary saliva stick and they like fish them out and then eat them off and then stick it back in and that's crazy amazing shit, man imagine that's how you go out just being stuck to a saliva stick like yeah, that, that's how you go you're just like yeah. oh my god free food oh no yeah. i'm the food you're like no it's like the <laughs> movie ants or whatever oh my god I, I haven't seen that movie in forever yeah that's such a throwback but um yeah no i forgot to mention the I guess the way these common octopus or octopi uh, hunt is they like wrap themselves around whatever it's they usually eat mollusks so okay. it'll wrap its body around the shell and they have this little barb that is able to locate where the like the its vertebrae where like the animal connects to the shell and it pierces the shell and injects this poison and causes the animal to run out of its shell and kill itself basically because it gets Whoa. eaten yeah and so this guy or the whoever documented it had like collection of these shells with these little holes in multiple different shells just showing where it, it pierced the shell I'm the like, consistency of the hunting strategy though yeah yeah like that's so wild to me crazy man animals are nuts just, just yeah they really wild. are but um yeah well dang this is all good conversation i wish you know wish we we're having this podcast <laughs> yeah if only man oh well as i say man like i love collecting random facts so if we, we i got so many more to throw out oh uh, yeah um I guess on the topic of completely off topic, but yeah. geared more towards video games there. I'm sure you've heard of Microsoft with their whole like gaming pass. Yeah. That, the do, game pass, yeah. Do, you, do you like that concept or do you, how do you feel about it? So if I, I don't, currently have a subscription to game pass but my understanding is that it basically gives you access to a whole host of like different game titles and stuff like that it's almost like a streaming or subscription service for certain titles yes exactly they they've expanded it i think now twice but now they're just like becoming this huge conglomerate like i think they now added ea to it so it's like you want to play some broken games you can do that now but yeah, that's basically the concept. I mean, I think that's similar to like Steam and uh, Acadia and all of these other ones, right? Yeah, there's some, in some aspects, yeah. I just think, I guess off of that, are you more of a, a hard copy or like digital game consumer, I guess? I mean, I've gone digital in my last, several titles honestly since i got my uh xbox one x everything basically has been digital i think i have oh, really six or seven hard disks from my xbox one and i don't think i have any titles on hard disk anymore and frankly for me like it's the convenience and i don't yeah there's no inherent benefit in play experience towards hard disk or digital 
copy, right? No, not at all. It's not like you have lag or ping or no. you know worse load times or anything else like this because it's one versus the other, to my knowledge. No, I don't. I mean, I haven't investigated that, but as someone who was brought up on you know hard copies and has now, as of just recent, gone digital. Um, no, I don't think there's any difference. I just think that for me, it's more the nostalgic purpose or the immediate like oh you pop a disc in it loads you know now it's turned to if you have a disc you have to download that content onto your xbox at least that's what i've experienced yeah i mean like that that process for it is definitely longer because you have to like download it then you have to install it then you have to update it whereas when you get the hard disk you just install and update you don't you get to skip the entire downloading process like for me when i first got on to to um modern warfare it took me now i'm all wi-fi i have no hard connection for my xbox so oh, okay does, yeah. same that does extend my download times um but i think i was at like like a good 24 hours same yeah my i mean thank god i'm at university now and they are like all about the wi-fi they're like oh you want 300 down here you go but um what yeah yeah it's like 300 down like 100 up i'm like okay <laughs> that's insane yeah i'm like i think i the download their the new modern warfare update took like a minute or something i was like okay but, oh my um, god, that, that took me like a, a solid evening. I, I like it, it. It made me miss being able to play video games that night. Yeah, <laughs> but um, back home, like my Wi-Fi, I've got a, we'll say large family, and we're a family of six, so it's definitely above average. Um, but we have so many devices in our Wi-Fi. I think caps out at fifty down. So I think you know, even downloading the game, like you said, took 24 hours plus. Yeah. And it was just, I'm like, I can't do this. I can't wait to go back to university. Like, So it's just me and my wife in our house. Yeah. Um, but we've got lots of devices. I mean, I've got my console. I've got a work computer, tablets, phones, this, that, whatever. Gotcha. Um, and I'm, I'm stunned by the connection we have. So we're still on copper cable. We don't have Fibop or anything else like that here because all of the connection points are taken in our area. Oh, okay. Yep. But, and I'm at, I think it is 35 up, 50, no, uh, sorry, 35 down, 15 up. Something like that. And I never have lag or like was, yeah. extreme ping issues or anything else like that. Like, I mean, that's honestly acceptable for, you said what, it's just the two of you and yeah. how many devices do you think you have? Like, uh, it's at any given time actively with a connection. Yeah. Six to seven. Okay. It's like my wife's got her work phone. I've got my work phone, personal phone, personal phone, tablet yeah. running, Xbox is on live updates so that I don't like have to like turn it on to play and deal with an update. Gotcha. Like different things like this. But so, yeah, I would say. Yeah, I mean, we all chase, you know, having the best of the best. I know I say 300 down, but it's, I'm not paying for that. I don't, I would never pay for that in my own house. Um, 
unless you're like the most active content creator and you're doing like daily uploads to some type of platform like what in the heck are you doing with that yeah so i mean 35 is like you said you had no lag it's more than acceptable um it's just for two people i mean that's a pretty good thing like my family i said we're struggling with i mean i think i have on me devices i got my phone computer laptop i'm into the whole alexa like home stuff so okay we yeah we have google too uh yeah maybe like closer to a dozen actually because i'm kind of like checking my list on yours so maybe there's a few more but that's fair yeah so it's you know our wi-fi definitely tanks like you take my six or seven devices times six people it's like well now you got you know 40 plus devices on you know what yeah. this terrible wi-fi it's like oh yeah and how many routers do you have for connection points as well right because it's got to prioritize its connection and its data package exchanges so like oh, yeah. if you're only dealing with one modem or one router or whatever like this in your in your place then that's going to be your other thing yeah we got one router one modem of course there's a split level so and i'm the farthest room away so it's never fun i'm like yeah yeah but um yeah so do you know much about pcs like computers gaming computers anything like that i will say i know enough where i can build you know somebody else a a decent computer um but i've only been in the this space for like close to two years um but I know enough to be like, oh, that, that's overpriced. That one sucks. That's not worth it. That kind of thing. But what would you recommend for like a gaming laptop setup? Ooh, laptops. Um, I'll say they're overpriced. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, anytime you're trying to make that technology smaller, you're gonna pay more for the for less. Yeah. Um let's see what for me, so the reason i ask is is out of personal interest and personal ignorance <laughs> so yeah. i don't know a ton about uh gaming pcs i don't know ab- look i know how to use a pc very elaborately right I don't know a lot about the background you know what i mean like i can drive my car you do not even want me changing your oil like yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean but i could chauffeur you real well so it, it's the same situation with the computer so i i want to get uh, a gaming i want to get a new laptop and i want to get a laptop that's also going to be able to let me do some pretty decent gaming okay um i mean i know there's like i said my knowledge base on laptops i guess is more limited but and you're gonna pay more for like i'm looking at a um what is it this a thousand dollar lenovo laptop that only is sporting a 1650 which is to give reference it's like a you're gonna get 60 70 frames stable you know if you were to use it in a pc and it's Mm -hmm. i think i can double check prices but i think it's only going for like 200 dollars right now um in this pc uh yeah it's going for $170 $170 and it wants to give you this low end processor for a thousand dollars. So, Oh shit. Yeah. 
I had actually looked at Lenovo. It was their uh, 5i Legion laptops. Oh, yep. Those are... I know Lenovo is probably... is probably your best bang for your buck. All of these other ones just... Um, are either way too expensive for someone, like you said, you're not really hardcore gaming. Um, but yeah, I think Lenovo is your best bet. Um, future proof, anything that's, I think I three and above, I think you're good is, I mean, you know, there's that whole debate Intel versus AMD. Yeah, see, I don't actually even totally understand that debate, to be perfectly frank. Um, like, what, what is the, the, like, I know there's a very lively debate, but I'm so uninformed about it that I don't even really know how to, like, be able to understand the opinions involved in it. I just know people are fighting about it. Yeah, so, let me see. Basically, it's a whole fanboy thing. It's like piece, uh, PlayStation versus xbox like which is better it's like well you know it's it's really applicable or it's better in certain situations in you know amd is better in certain situations but if you're looking for the most bang for your buck it's something that's entry level um and you're not trying to go like hardcore gaming intel is the better you know processor because it just gives more for what the price is. But once you get up into, um, you know, these, you know, you're running a stream and you're trying to run a game at, you know, 2K for, you know, 100 frames per second. It's like, then you want to go AMD because they're more uh, multitask centric and Intel is more like gaming centric. Okay. <clears throat> so, what they, I would love to, uh, I, I want to push a comedian about the idea of starting a D and D table with Semvic. I think that would be awesome. I think yeah. Didn't he say something about that in, in the chat or? He put it into the players hub. He was like, um, I feel like it could it work as a concept for Semvic as well to have a team because that's something that would be really cool for like content generation and and. Um, like getting your name out there and stuff like that is because people will uh, like I have friends that play D and D who love just streaming uh, table podcasts and stuff like that. Oh, because yeah? depending on how you're playing it, you could basically just make it like storytelling. And so my buddy will throw on a podcast of one of his favorite tables with a good DM that he enjoys or a party that he knows about. And he'll just like put it on in the background as like quiet storytelling while he's doing work and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So, like, there's a huge audience for it. Um, yeah, no, I would definitely be down, you know, because like I said, I'm, I would love to be engaged in that space. I just think, you know, I guess the more I do it, the more I'd be, you know, more comfortable and engaged with it because I was just never able to get into that space, I guess. Well, it's for me, a huge part of it is also who you're playing with. 
it, it, oh, it's, okay. it's the people who are around the table with you because like and, and no judgment but if your dad and your brother when they were trying to introduce you to D&D if they approached it from a style perspective that made it feel like the game wasn't something that you could either relate to get into or express yourself in then you're going to feel that like disconnect from it you know what i mean like yeah i think it was um i think it was more so yeah it was just i guess thrown into it he's like oh D D. so i never had like any background to it he's like just pick a character i was like or make a character i'm like oh, okay roll the dice he's like did you get a fucking nat one or what i'm like i don't i don't know i don't know what those words mean <laughs> But yeah, so I guess if I had more of a like sit down, like in, you know, I guess what are they? They're called books, right? To like uh, uh, make your characters. Yeah, yeah. So there's like core literature books that you need to be able to just, but all the books are is explaining how what you want to do with your character works in the world. Oh, like, okay. It, it me and my buddy always joke around that like the player's handbook and stuff like that they're like they're like physics books they just kind of tell you how the mechanics of the world that you want to talk about and experience they're just talking to you about the kind of mechanics of how that all will play out gotcha so like if you want to be able to climb and jump you can look in the book and you can see and it'll tell you how the mechanics of climbing and jumping work and what skills you have to have and what your the results are and what the difficulty is and stuff like that but i don't find that the literature is so much about the creative process it, it's more of a mechanical process gotcha okay yeah, like I said, I mean, like, think about it more like the user's manual back in the day, like when you would get a video game and it would like teach you how to play the actual video game. You know what I mean? Like it would teach you different button combinations and stuff like that to get different results from different characters. Yep. Oh, okay. more like what, that's more like what a D&D book is. Gotcha. But like for me, it's it's I always approach it from a storytelling perspective. So the way the first way to get into it is that you yourself as the player need to conceive an idea of what the character that you want to play is. Like we, jokingly, we've got the examples from comedian of like the drunken barbarian or yeah. the the golden rainbow fairy dragon or whatever, uh, glitter dragon. But th that's the raw concept, right? Like it kind of kicks off from that point. So he's like, oh, drunken barbarian. Okay, so. You know, what in, in your what does your mind's eye see for this? Oh, you know, big burly beard and big curly hair, but like stout and like hard. Um, it's like okay, like yeah. that might be a dwarf maybe. And oh, and he, you know, he he's he's an outcast from his clan. Oh, okay, so like that's for me, that's where it starts. Oh, I see, I see. Because then, once you have a concept of the character, you can inject that character concept into damn near anything. This is right? true. Like as yeah. your dungeon master, I can start generating storylines that would be appropriate knowing who your character is. And that way nothing's forced. It's all flowing organically from the player's creative process. So rather than me forcing some storyline down your throat where you have to rescue Maid Marian from the evil henchman, and you're like, I don't give a shit about Maid Marian or her fucking henchman. Yeah. <laughs> I want to make money, drink beer, and cause mayhem. Exactly. Well, all the work that I do is pointless because you're not enjoying it as the player. Like I'm basically narrating a story you don't want to listen to. Right. Exactly. Shit. That's no fun for anybody. No. And I, I guess on that point, since you, I guess 
I think you're the only one in this community that does D&D or that have, have been vocal about it. How... Admits it. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> what I'm getting at is like the, if we do, you know, come up with this, this group, would you, in this sense, because you said you like to be more of a player than a, a DM, would you be open to being a, a DM? And like, how, how does that, you know, differentiate between being a player i mean i know a dm is really the like control and telling a story but like from a creative standpoint how would you feel that's you know so from my perspective the big differences are going to be in world creating versus story creating so for me in my opinion a dungeon master is responsible responsible for creating the world the players are responsible for creating the story but they do it in an unconscious way like it's it's a very subtle way that the characters create the story because everything is built by your decisions i'm going to describe so i'd be more than happy to be the dm so in that okay. situation where i was the dungeon master all i'm going to do is i'm going to describe the world for you guys i'm going to populate the world with objects and people and activity and descriptions and smoke and whatever is going on noise and i will provide all the sensory input for the world but how you guys interact with that world or what you guys want to do in that world is entirely dictated by you and yeah, okay. i'll start i'll start reacting to it so if i describe a bustling metropolis street and you guys stagger out of the inn and it's you know high morning so there's lots of traffic as the farm folk come out of their homes towards the fields outside the city walls and in your drunken state you stumble over a farmer's cart and topple over his uh <laughs> all of his tools and he starts picking a fight with you how do you react right and now okay. it's up to you you could apologize and this could end very peacefully and maybe somewhat boring but or you could be like i get in his face and in my drunken rage smash him with one of the shovels that fell out of his cart and it's like okay well the guards are going to come down the street now because you're causing a huge commotion and you're starting to tell a story all I did was describe the world. Gotcha. So I think, honestly, I think that's where I had trouble with it. Cause I didn't, I guess we'll call it understand my role. You know, I was mm -hmm. more so, I wasn't like putting myself into that position of, or putting myself in that character. I was kind of just hearing what, you know, my brother was saying in like, you know, lazily reacting to it or like, I don't know what the the word is but i just wasn't like you said i wasn't making the story or you know um but yeah you were a secondary character in someone else's story pretty much yeah being told you're supposed to be a main character and so you're just like okay i'm supposed to be a main character but i just seem to be kind of following along with what you want to do and so you're not getting any of that personal connectivity towards the story Right, yeah. I was just being a follower rather than a a leader, as they say. <laughs> and there is a, an entire subset of Dungeons and Dragons that plays into that style. There's lots of people who enjoy that, and and the creators, uh, Wizards of the Coast, that's the generators of the D and D content and the books and everything else like that. Yep. Um, they, uh, you know, they produce product and stuff like that for those people, so you can get pre-written storylines. Oh, okay. 
where you and your friends will just make characters and then you'll play out this pre-written storyline about, you know, rescuing Madame Marion and blah, 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 or whatever like this. And some of them are longer with, you know, kind of larger overarching storylines. And some of them are very small storylines that you can play in a single sitting. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause I, you talked about the, the length, like I, you know, I talked to my stepbrother, you know, a little less than I want to, which, because he's just so invested in, you know, now with uh, university and uh, this D&D, because it's, it's very committed. I'll, I'll give him that. He does this, I think he does two different sessions a week. In one of them, he's a player. In one of them, he's a DM. And these storylines have gone on for, you know, it seems like months. I'm like, that's just, it's crazy how you can get so invested into this. And I mean, it's just, it's honestly cool to, to be, you know, part of that world for so long. It, and that's where I found a lot of satisfaction as I got older as a player was in creating those kind of like those sagas or that chronology that I was talking about before. Yep. I've had characters that have lasted for years as an adult player where I took things a little bit more seriously and oh, wow. run around with quite so much reckless abandon that jeopardizes life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, like, I've had characters who have run for years. I mean, I swear to God, if you had an actual author take a look at some of these chronologies, I'm sure they could be worked into legitimate stories because they're they're Lord of the Rings-type storylines and stuff like that with the rise and the fall of kingdoms because of your integrated actions and what you had impacts on. Yeah, it was... it's, it's cool, and it's fun when you can look back and feel like you've almost... Now, this is where I find a lot of satisfaction as a player is looking back throughout what I've done as that character and seeing how it has shaped or impacted the world around him. Yep. It's like a validation of what your character's purpose was in the world or whatever. Yeah, I got you. Um, all right. Well, I guess this keep bringing it up but i guess this is our podcast now uh yeah this is our podcast um yeah i guess we can go till you said you had stuff to get to we can go till i guess keep talking till 10 if you want yeah for sure i mean you like for me I, it's just a fucking self-imposed bedtime so that i can get up and be productive oh that's right <laughs> you had work i yeah i'm just procrastinating yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's no man but like if you need to get to your work man like we can we can check out and we can do this again like as i say i'm sure comedian will probably want to get it done before tuesday when he normally releases them so uh maybe don't procrastinate and we could do this again tomorrow if he's available or something i don't know yeah well yeah i i mean i joke but i i think i have to wait till my friend is free because it's a this whole project i have to do too but it's the public speaking yeah, it's very, I like it and I don't like it because it's, you're, well, you have your uh, your self-speeches or your personal speeches that you obviously do on your own time and you mm. present them to class, all of that stuff. And then you have these group projects where you have to read the chapter of the book and present it to the class, which let me tell you, I've been in this class for four weeks in nobody pays attention like you're just you're talking basically to the professor about the work he already knows about so yeah yeah to what he assigned you to do yeah you i 
I kid you not, I see all these like students or, you know, people looking down at their phone, just talking to their roommate while they're looking off screen and they're on mute. I'm like, why am I even doing this? But um, these projects just become, uh, you depend on the other people, obviously, but it's even more so because they have specific sections to do. And if they don't do it, it takes away from your like project, you know, completion. And so our group has to talk to the professor because there's this one kid that's shown up to two out of our five group projects. And it's like tanked our grade because we didn't include the information he was supposed to present. I'm like, that's not our fault. We all yeah, did our you can't part. Be group marking on that if the professor's forcing you. Yeah, I'm like, this isn't. So we have to bring that up to him because he's, I think, a couple of grades have just tanked because of this kid not showing up. I'm like, why? Yeah, that's bullshit. But yeah, um, going back to the laptop thing. Oh, now I'm yeah. dropping things. Where you you said you're looking for like mid tier gaming or just something to do work on in game a little, I guess. Um, I want to game more. Um, I, I want to be able to like, I, I would like to be able to game some. I mean, like not hardcore. If I could become a PC gamer, I would love to. But right. my understanding of it is just like the maintenance on your on your device just becomes a little unruly at certain points but um i just basically i'm looking for something i'm I'm willing to spend the money now because i know future proof is a bit of a joke yeah it (laughs) just to be able to get something that's gonna last me for more than like three to five like i'd like to see a laptop that could push me a little beyond that five-year margin so i would be willing to almost kind of buy more than i need now knowing it would serve me for like say seven years because it's already a it's basically top at the curve so that right. curve is not going to die quite as quick yeah this is true um i mean so if like you're especially looking... as far as like graphics card and stuff like that and like the like the gpu and stuff like that like i wouldn't want to go too low just to get in at a better price point right. and then have every game that's being developed just max out or overdue like the uh, above the GPU that I had bought at, you know what I mean? I got you. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. I was going to say it's a little easier with, you know, uh, making a computer. Like I know you said the the maintenance is a little above a laptop, but I guess if you're buying, if you're buying anything other than Apple, you really do want to learn how to like at least open your computer or laptop and like clean it with some dust or clean it with dust clean it with some air <laughs> to get rid of dust you know yeah just clean just start throwing dust bunnies in there um we'll go ro- roman field medic with you and we'll just yeah. pour boiling water and rub sand in it yeah um but no like as far as the the computer maintenance i mean i've had my computer like i said for two years um and I think I've cleaned it, you know, just dusted it out, I think, once or twice, just because I'm not, like, anal like the others, you know, 
PC enthusiasts are. They're like, oh, you need to clean it every three months. I'm like, I'm not working in a hospital. I don't need to. No. (laughs) So, but. No, and see, like, for stuff like that, like, I. I would be comfortable and am comfortable like opening up a computer and being able to even sub out some parts, but okay. it's, I, a, I, so that type of like kind of mechanical comfort I'm good with because that doesn't really change that much, you know, You're right. but it, I really dropped off the map as far as following, like, what is the standard? What is the direction they're going in? Like, I know my understanding is like one of your top tier GPUs right now is like NVIDIA 2060, I think. Oh, it's uh well, th- then you're a little behind, but that's okay. No. Okay. Um, see, there we go. No, that's this is perfect. Okay, good. Yeah, they well, to be fair, they just released their Nvidia's 3000 series, which basically uh there's there was the 2060, the 2070, and then the 2080, which they also released a, a TI version, which is I don't know the correct terminology, but basically it's like top of the line and okay. this gpu sold at retail fifteen hundred dollars which is absurd and so this new breakthrough in their new technology is their like baseline five hundred dollar graphics card blows that fifteen hundred dollar graphics card out of the water whoa so yeah it's like a huge step in the you know the pc world um but that is like again top of the line so but yeah like you said a, a if you were going to go the pc route a 2060 is more than fine um i don't think you said you wanted about five to seven years out of it ideally yeah and the reason I'm laptop is I travel a lot, so okay. I can't justify investing the money in, in a, a piece desktop, of, yeah. like into a tower, and then not be able to have that, that, that tra- the, you know what I mean, the portability of what I've invested my money into, because it also needs to serve me as just a laptop to jam movies on when I'm on business trips, and it's got to serve me in a bunch, you know, it's a processor for when I'm on other things like just a word processor when I'm doing presentations or documents or whatever like this. So it needs to serve me in a lot of capacities. And if I could, fuck, I just build myself a gaming rig, but yeah, I, I got kind of want to hybridize as best I can. Yep. Um, see, I mean, I don't know what the future holds for games, but I guess a, an easier like route to go down. Cause I'm not going to give really price points or what your budget is because that's um a lot of these fluctuate but yeah i guess a a gpu if you want to future proof it you want to look to anything that's a an eight gigabyte um uh gpu anything below that i mean most games now don't use all of that eight gigabytes Um, i know there's you'll watch a ton of pc videos you know leading you down the wrong path like oh you need this top of the line because it's going to give you this it's like they're just making those videos to to appeal to you know fanboys of that certain graphics card or um, computer part right 
and like generate review content and stuff like that. And in order to validate the content they're creating, it has to have a recommendation. Exactly. Um, yeah. But so like the the huge debate right now is like, oh, does this game really use all of you know eight gigabytes of my you know video? Uh, it's well VRAM. It's the video RAM. I think it's random allocation memory. I think is the correct term. Basically, it's just how much you know memory is your this game using. Yeah, random and, access memory. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't think I mean even the current Call of Duty doesn't use all of the eight gigabytes. So, oh, okay. Because it's just it doesn't need to. There's no. Uh, what am I trying to say? There's no reason for it to. It might say like in your if you pull up like your taskbar, it'd be like, oh, you're using all eight gigabytes. It's like, really? Why well, play Minecraft? And it says the same thing. It's it's whatever. Oh, so it's it's almost more like an engagement. It's like I'm engaging th that program is pulling on the eight gig card. So it kind of reflects yeah. as though it's being fully used. Right. And it's like, no, it's not. The game Minecraft is notorious for using like is poorly optimized. I'm like, if you set the game to two gigabytes, it's going to use all of that two gigabytes and it's going to work perfectly fine. It's not mm. using eight gigabytes. The new Call of Duty is, I I think, caps out at like five gigabytes. So that means you can game and if you want it to, you know, on the side, surf on the web. It's like, you're going to be fine. But I guess on a laptop sense, you really don't have the ability or the screen size to to multitask like that i guess um, yeah but i mean you can sub that out with just a multi-monitor display or something like that exactly right? so it's just and see that's the other reason i wanted to lean towards it is because when i'm not traveling with my laptop you invest you know into a nice monitor display or whatever like this and you can basically just use it as as your cp you know or as your pc sorry and just run it through a nicer display or multi yeah exactly yeah, like if you were to pick up a a laptop for say $800 or something and then get a a display for another 200, I think prices and displays are coming down drastically. So it's like you could be playing a a game in like 2K with good frames and performance for $200 plus the computer oh, yeah. you have. So like nowadays you can get I think I saw I was so surprised by it. So it was a 49-inch curved Samsung Oh, yeah, OLED. I want that so bad. It's a beautiful display. And it was only like, I say only, still expensive. Yeah, it was like <laughs> 500 bucks. Yeah, let me see. I was, I was stunned to see this thing. Super thin, nice little pedestal on it. Like, it was a really clean design on it and stuff like that. It was gorgeous. I'm pretty sure it was at least 2K. It was HD 100%. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and a decent hertz, too. Uh, I don't think it was 144, but... The only one... Yeah, I remember seeing that. Now I'm only seeing the 4K version, which is still only $600. That's crazy. Yeah. It's nuts. Like... 
I just bought myself a desk. I was optimizing my office a bit more for work here and stuff like that. And I'm like, man, that would be sick. I'd have this. It would basically be the entire size of my work desk. And it would just be this like one awesome curved out monitor. Okay. Yeah. I, um, right now I have two monitors and I, I wish I did this differently, but I, I love to chase the best of the best. And, um, so I, I picked up a, I got a 1080p monitor and then I'm like, I want 4k, but the thing is the, the stuff I have in my computer doesn't support 4k in a way that's like, I guess worth it. So I literally have a 4k wow. monitor. That's like just for Xbox or like, um, just watching movies. I'm like, I don't know why. Cause I could have bought a, a 2k monitor or it's 1440p, um, 140, 40 Hertz or 144 Hertz for, I think like $200, but I decided to spend 300 on a 4k monitor. It's like, I don't, but, but again, at least at that point, in my opinion, though, the one thing, and this is kind of how I'm looking at it with the laptop that I'm looking at getting is that 4k, when you do upgrade, like that monitor is not going anywhere. Like, unless you start popping pixels or, you start like burning something out, like burning out LEDs or something like yeah. that. Like that, that's going to still be a 4k monitor when you upgrade your, your, the rest of your hardware to match, you know what I mean? Like no matter yeah, how long down the road that is. And so that's kind of why I'm like, okay, like you were saying, you know, like they're now into the three thousands for NVIDIA chips and stuff like that. Like, would that be excessive for what I want to use it for in the gaming that I want to do for it? Like at this stage of the game, maybe, but in five years, it's still going to be the minimum to support the games, which means I don't need to change out my chip. And therefore I'm good until another, you know, gets me all the way to seven. And then my chip's just not performing on the game level anymore or whatever like this. Yeah. And I think, um, like I said, anything with six gigabytes, like I'm looking at this, um, laptop right here it's a i think it's a oh it's the dell g7 it's got it's got a 1660 ti um six gigabyte card it's got a nice uh ssd so you're not slowing down with your lovely hard drive like i still have um <laughs> but yeah it's just and then a lot of people love to be like oh you need uh 32 gigs of ram like, no, you don't, unless you're um, using Blender and, like, uh, processing stuff all day. You don't need 32 gigs of RAM. But, yeah, this one has, I think, just 8. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's tough finding a laptop that's both, you know, affordable but, you know, worth your money. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there's, I think, laptops that go for like $2,400. And it's almost lesser than what I have for 600 in my computer. It's like, but again, I understand. And, yep, and that's what throws me off about it as well. I completely agree with you that that's, that's what throws me off. Like I was just cruising through here on Lenovo's website and it's like some of the specs compared to the other ones just seem completely disproportionate. And like, that's gotta be what's driving these price tags up. Like how much is this freaking thing? It's $2,200. Yeah. And it's, it's just got like, with like 10th generation I seven, uh, processor, what else? 
17.3 inch display. Okay, wow, that's actually pretty big. 144 hertz, 16 gig memory, one terabyte SSD. Like that's enormous for a hard drive. It, yeah, I mean, and well, the price too. That's yeah. That's and then look, the graphics is a NVIDIA GeForce 2066 gig. Oh yeah. I mean, so that's... you're not even you're you're spending twenty two hundred dollars and you're not even into the like most current version of the gaming uh, cards as you were saying. Not even. I mean, I will I will say that the two thousand series is still good for for right now. I would I think you could get another um, three or four years out of a a two thousand series. Um, but again, it just comes down to, like you said, you, you want to game some, you want to, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's just dependent on, do you want to have, you know, 45 frames per second? Or do you want, do you want to have a laptop that plays like a console at like 60 frames? You know, like the, I say console, like the newer consoles that just dropped that are $500. It's like, do you, it, it's just, I don't know. It's tough because, like you just said, you looked at some specs and at different computers, you know, better, but it's just more expensive. It's well, well, that's it. Like, how much cheaper could I make this if I didn't take the one terabyte of SSD? You know what I mean? Like, because I don't need a terabyte of SSD on the laptop that I'm getting. I don't think I do anyway, unless I'm like seriously misunderstanding or uninformed about what the like hard drive demands are. Uh, I mean, well, hard drive is just how much stuff you have on your computer. So, I mean, if you don't have that much, I mean, I'm, I only have a terabyte and I've had this for two years. So that being said, I don't do, well, I guess I'm a design student, so I have quite a bit of files, but I mean, that's taken years to accrue. So. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like, even if we started, you know, even if I started creating a whole bunch of stuff, because like if I were to get one of the things that like if we were to start doing this and I've actually started uh, D&D campaigns with other people, that can be pretty file intensive creation stuff because it's oh, okay, like yeah. map generating and stuff like that. Um, and I would make it all digital if we were to start doing something like that with Semvic. I would make everything digital, of course, so that it has a form that would share better. Oh, I see. Yep. Yeah, so I mean, I guess the easiest thing to say is that eight to nine hundred dollar range. If you want, you know, future proof, you said five to seven years, that's probably what you're going to be spending. Um, unless you find some like underground company that's like, we'll cut you a deal. Um, or if you find somebody that's, selling something for you know that's been used but yeah everything else just looks like i said completely overpriced it's just but i guess it's you're paying for the convenience factor like we said that's it i mean a whole bunch of this because if you take those same specs and you put them into a just a tower or whatever even a water-cooled tower you're going to cut the price in half yeah so but uh, like you said the the 2060s it's good i mean it's at least you're not like in the, you know, 1000 series, which is, I'm on the, I'm on the higher end of the 1000 series in my 
computer right now and I'm looking to upgrade, so I definitely would stay away from that. <laughs> well, the other nice thing about them is like nowadays, because when I first started getting into computers, so few of your components were replaceable. Yeah. Because everything was being soldered on, right? So it's just like basically just fucking tack welded everything together. Well, yeah, no, I I may know a bit about computer components and how to change them, but I sure as shit don't know how to do soldering. Like I know, yeah. I um so, and then by the time component by the time the industry recognized that people wanted to be able to kind of build and replace their own components kind of piecemeal, right? So they're like, okay, this year I'll get my new gaming chip and then next year I'll buy some new RAM and then okay, in five years I'm gonna have to buy myself a new processor. And it's like, okay, like they're just kind of piecemealing themselves through a complete PC all the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wasn't participating in computers as actively anymore because I was at university or I was, you know, doing other things. Yeah, the the community moves at quite a pace that even I can't keep up with, you know. Like there's, yeah. uh, like you said, I love those conversations. Oh, future proof. <laughs> it's like, okay, you're funny. The AMD is releasing a new processor in the next two months. And I just got their new quote, new processor three months ago. It's like, there's no, <laughs> no future proofing. <laughs> no, see for me, the definition of future proof is that the related softwares are going to be supported by your rig for years to come. That that's it's not as though it's future proof in the sense that like this computer will always be good enough to do with whatever's going on. But like I remember I had a friend of mine who bought a a decent rig, a decent gaming PC for himself. And then, you know, he was really proud of it. He was super happy and then the, you know, the the sequel to the title that got him into PC gaming wouldn't be supported by the specs that he had and so he had to like completely kind of like gut and rebuild his computer oh no in order to just be able to play the sequel of the next title you know what i mean so like yeah. i'll just throw out a name like far cry one came out and he was like yeah i love this game like i'm gonna get a good rig i'm gonna like not optimize but like i'm gonna have a good rig to run this it's gonna be awesome and then far cry 2 came out and he was like oh man like i don't have enough ram to be able to do this or like my my oh, video no. card's not good enough to support the game and so then he had to buy himself, like he had to kind of re-up on his hardware just to be able to keep up with the software. So for me, like I would want to be able to get myself a laptop that could run kind of three sequels. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah. And then obviously like it's not future proof, but that's kind of my conception of future proof. Um, yeah. Let me just pull up quickly. What modern warfare they, I love the specs they give, um, Let's see the spec list. They're like, oh, this is recommended. You kind of want to go a little above that because that's they're basically yeah, saying, you... do you want to play at like 30 frames? It's like, uh... well, <laughs> and do you want to like fry an egg off of your computer while you're doing it? It's yeah. Like, you know, because again, like the hotter you get components, the faster they burn out. So like, fine, your your system can support that maxed out on dialed up to 10. But it's only going to do that for how many hours of gameplay before you're going to start like weakening your connections from heat. Yeah, exactly. Um, I can't find it right now, but yeah, I gotta repeat myself. But six to eight gigabytes on any video card is completely fine. Okay. Those people that are like, oh, you need to get the the 
2080 Ti, I think was a 16 or no, it was an 11 gigabyte card. It's like, yeah, that could probably run two AAA titles at once and still not <laughs> feel anything. It's like... Still not break a sweat. Yeah, so... But, yeah, no, if you have any other questions, you know, about PC stuff, I can, you know, point you in the right direction. Fuck yeah, man. I'll, I'll definitely hit you up for that. That's for sure, because most of my friends are at about my level or come to me for advice so oh, i got you <laughs> and then you'll come to I mean? me Just... to give them advice exactly so i'm gonna be asking you my friends questions from now on but... all right <laughs> I mean, no but i just mean like because i do know a bit and i yeah. know enough to be able to you know kind of to play back on the conversation we had about like education and stuff i know enough to be able to learn but right I'm kind of at that point where I, I kind of let it slide too far. So now the gap between what I knew and what I'm trying to learn is a lot bigger than it used to be. Oh, I see. Yep. So that's kind of where I've been getting lost. And again, gaming has been nothing I've ever considered with a PC. I've always been good on my console and I've Same. never yeah. financially. I'm just like, I, I can't think about PC gaming financially. So I'm not even going to entertain the idea and see what I'm missing. Yeah, I mean, it's not even that. I mean, well, for me, it's I have the you know ability to to play these games. You know, if I want to play Grand Theft Auto or uh, Valorant, CS:GO. I mean, I know those aren't you know uh, spec intensive uh, games, but it's just the fact using a keyboard and mouse over a controller that I've used for you know eleven, twelve years. It's like the switch is so off-putting to me i'm like i don't know yeah i that would be an interesting experience although that being said uh i was looking at something i don't know why i was on their website but i was on uh microsoft xbox website yeah and have you seen the new mouse and keyboard that's been developed for the new console no do they have a new i have to see this yeah, it's um it, it works for the uh one X and it'll work for X series, I think is what they're calling it. Series X or whatever the new platform's called. This um Oh yeah, that's wild. Yeah, full RGB of course because it's uh, yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah, that ups your performance by like twenty percent I've heard. Um that's <laughs> if it has lights on it, I mean, your aim goes up by 15% yeah. right off the scratch. If it's blue, your your um thermals, you know, you're set. That's... <laughs> it's so funny because I just... So I just bought myself a new keyboard. I hated the keyboard that my work gave me. It, it's one of those, like, uh, thin key... It's kind of like a laptop keyboard. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. My university has, like, those... Uh library keyboards i know exactly those so yeah keyboards. super low profile blah 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 yeah. so i hate them like utter yep. freaking passion i need keystroke distance like i need to feel that that keystroke when i'm typing and stuff like that yeah, yeah. so i actually got myself a really nice mechanical keyboard on amazon and it's <laughs> it's blue rgb <laughs> well it's just dedicated blue actually it's, it's not rgb but it is it's a blue keyboard oh okay yep yeah, the blue backlight or whatever they call it. I got you, yeah. 
I and it's sick though. I will say, man. I and I know we're, we're joking about the lights. It's not because of the lights. It's because <laughs> of the quality keyboard that it is. Yeah. But it's a huge difference, like a massively appreciable difference. Oh yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I definitely need a, a keyboard upgrade. This thing's seen its day of, you know. I'm telling you, Moto Speed. This thing's sick. If you like mechanical keyboards, Moto Speed. Yeah, I've got a, I think a Corsair mechanical, but. Let's see, Moto Speed. And you said it was, like, it was just blue backlight. Like, yeah, blue backlight. Um, I think it was like forty-five bucks on or something like that. Oh wow! Do you have it? Is it a ten keyless or is it have the little? Uh, oh no, it's full like hundred and fifty key or whatever the heck they are. Gotcha. I think it's a full keyboard. It's a full standard keyboard. Yeah, I'm not. I don't understand metal framing on it, which is really nice. Like it, metal. it's hardy. Yeah, yeah, metal fabrication. Forty-five dollars. Wow, I should have went to this yeah. company. Mine was like eighty-five dollars. Uh, <laughs> I've heard Moto Speed compared with Dragon something. I can't remember the name of that brand. Oh, I have no idea. So many of them out there. Uh, yeah. If you go overseas market, like it just blows up. But no, man. I mean, I've been using this thing for probably three months now, and it's it's awesome. Oh yeah, it's no, cool. Definitely. The characters on it are just a little bit different, so it's got kind of a cool appeal to it, and it just and again, a metal tr top plate on it, and and metal and plastic back plate, so it's nice. I see that. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, I'll definitely look into it, or and probably be cheaper for you because I had to buy that shit from the states and bring it in, so I paid exchange. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, I pay exchange on everything on Amazon pretty well, unless it's oh. in our Montreal warehouse here. Like, a... that's I couldn't imagine that. That's like like you're saying like six to eight hundred dollars on a laptop. I'm gonna add thirty five to forty five percent to that price to consider what it would be to buy in Canada. Really? Oh no. Oh hell yeah, bro. That... Oh hell yeah, man. Not just on the exchange rate, but just the general pricing uh, structure on electronics in Canada is way higher. Oh. Never mind. I don't want to move to Canada. <laughs> it's 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 brutal, man. Like like you're talking about being like in a good entry level at like six to eight. That means that I'll realistically be like sixteen to seventeen. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, realistically, I, and I, my budget, and I'm aware of that going in. Like my budget that I'm saving up for, I don't have it now. It's something I'm gonna have to save towards. But okay. I, my budget for my my laptop's about two k. Oh, okay. Yeah. That so I mean. That's. If, that's the kind of direction that I'm going in. But I know that, and, and I'm glad that you actually kind of prefaced that you're like, I'm not going to talk about budget and stuff because I've seen the pricing differences when I've like accidentally gone into an American website. Like I went into a Best Buy America one time, like yeah. .com, and then tried to finish my transaction seeing what shipping to Canada would be. And I was just like, oh, oh right. Like it, now <laughs> that 900 laptop just became $1,800. Like, like, oh. cool. Okay, perfect. Right. Or they'll like when you try to go through the transaction process, like the, to like finish the sale, like close your cart and stuff like that. Yep. They'll then push you to best CA and refresh your cart to the proper Canadian pricing. Uh, oh, it's savage. That's uh, <laughs> that's mean. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's nasty. Um, yeah, I never like to push the whole. I mean, it's good to push the budget thing. Like if there's somebody that's like really dead set. Like, I only have this amount of money right now. It's like, well, I can't really help you. Uh, if you want to 
people are like, I need something for $500. I'm like, get a console. Like, <laughs> the, yeah, you're not going to find any PC for $500, uh, I guess, new to to run what you want to run. So no, I, you're either looking for the exceptional deal, the diamond in the rough, or you're buying used. Yeah. So yeah. that's why I talk about specs. It's like the, that spec is what you look out for. Don't forget about the price because that's all relative to, like you said, where you are and who you are. Well, that's it. And it's, it, it's funny too. It's the only problem with that is that the person who comes to you with the price tag instead of the spec list is the person who will never understand what the spec list is. Exactly. You know what I mean? That's yep. kind of the trap of computer technology is the person who's pursuing you based on dollar value budget doesn't, won't understand the redirection that you give to try and be helpful. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Cause you'd be like, I can't, I can't help you with an $800 price tag, but these are the things that you're going to need to look for. They're like, man, can I get that for 800 bucks? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I don't know. I bought all my stuff, you know, secondhand, secondhand used, but it's like, it's mm -hmm. good quality stuff, but you just got to want to search for it, I guess. Is that's the yeah. huge turnoff for, you know, people wanting to get into PC or laptops. It's like, got to look for it. But again, what is the difference between like that even brand of RAM and this brand of RAM? And it's like, well, oh, well, their connections are copper versus their connections, which are tin. And it's like, oh, okay, well, why does that matter? Yeah. And if you don't know about like single signal conductivity and stuff like that, like you're not going to understand the appreciation between a cheap part and a quality part if you're trying to buy secondhand or used, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's that dangerous slope. It really is, you know. And, and it, it's not the same in other markets, right? Like if you look at sporting equipment and it's like, is it comfortable? Can you wear it? Can you do the physical motion to deploy the sport? Cool, then it's going to work for you. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And pricing at that point becomes how comfortable do you want to be? How lightweight do you want it to be? But that's that's where you're spending your money on like sports gear and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Although you played lacrosse. Have you seen some of the like crazy ridiculous gloves that you can buy nowadays i have not um speaking on that whole like the quickly about the lacrosse like gloves i have a pair yeah. of gloves that my high school gave me like my second year and what they did is like every four years they you know come to us players be like what do you want on the gloves I'm like i don't know this and we were sponsored by uh brian sweet the yeah there were the brine and there are the king fours which oh. i will advocate for them for the rest of my life the, there's only one glove that's better than that but yeah the, the kings were amazing but um yeah so those gloves i've always used and they're you know totally beat to shit there's a hole in the thumb and my I th maybe it was every two year two years we got new gloves because i have a different pair from the same school and they look brand new because i never touched them they were made by maverick and they're just i don't know they're too i don't know i don't appreciate them but yeah you were yeah. saying what are the new gloves that are just crazy well they're, they're just because you know the popularity is soared with it so you've got people who are making like specialized editions of gloves so uh my personal the my basically my place for your Brian King is uh, Warrior Mac Daddies. Oh yep, I've had I had a couple friends that had those. 
they're just such a stun. I think it was the second or the third iteration of the Mac Daddies, what I have as my graduation glove, and they're they're stunning. But so they made I can't remember what the player's name was, but he basically took on like a pet project to design gloves. It's uh, gold thread stitching, um, some type of litigo calf skin palms. And another type of bleached leather on the back. They're like four hundred dollars. Holy shit! Oh yeah, oh, Sam, yeah. that's. You said they're four hundred. I think they were four hundred. Oh, I'm seeing. I'm sure they're being used for two hundred too. That's holy fuck. Yeah, I don't know. Look, gloves are the one thing that even when I was at my poorest, brokest point, I, I, I wouldn't buy used gloves. Yeah, just, no, I would not. That's gross. There's a lot of me in my glove at the end of a practice. I don't yeah. know if I want to put on somebody else's. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think 20 you know, plus washes are going to get me out of my gloves. That's <laughs> No. <laughs> That's, wow. I, I got to find these gloves. Yeah, there they are. Yeah, I was. I honestly don't know what it is about the the brines or the king fours over these. They're like the Maverick. I think that's a Maverick two or three. Um. Yeah, they're just two. The the wrist coupling is just too tight, and it's On just which? the, the uh, no the. The ones I have, the Mavericks, they're like the Maverick 3s. Oh, yeah. It's just... That was the same as the, um, what was it, the Gate Mutants? Do you remember those? Oh, yeah. Yep. Gate who did the Mutant. Yeah, yeah like it, it was the Mutant. Yeah, that's it. It, like, hugged your wrist in the most uncomfortable, unflexible way. And then it had these stupid, like, skirt pads that came off of your wrist, like little doilies. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't... Nope. So... I... And then I looked into the the King Fives. I'm like, oh, just maybe I want to upgrade my gloves, you know. And I just never did because I, you know, I finished high school and then got busy with college and, you know, picking 14 different degrees to pursue. And, <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. But um, I was like, huh, I don't need new gloves. And that's what I used because I did lacrosse tryouts here at my university. And Sweet. yeah, I used those, you know, dirty ass ripped up gloves. And um, apparently I got a, a lot of praise for going to, you know, my old high school, which was Cape Elizabeth. They're, I guess we're ranked number like three in the state for lacrosse, which doesn't mean much because the East Coast in America is like I said before, is five to 10 years behind everyone. So if you're good in, you know, the Northeast or specifically Maine, you're probably like a, at best, a D2 player if you were to play at college. So. Really? But like Syracuse and those places are hotbeds for lacrosse. They're all on the East Coast, aren't they? Is that the East Coast? Oh yeah. Completely brain farting my geography right now. No, you're good. That's I guess 
well, I guess my Northeast that I've experienced is only been um, Maine, New Hampshire, all of those smaller states. Yeah, Maine, like, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, nobody big lacrosse is coming out of there. That is fair, yeah, for sure. So there, yeah, you, you've got to get a little bit lower into like New York, Virginia, exactly. And so, whenever I mention Northeast, it's you know those smaller ones. Um, but yeah, New York is huge. Syracuse, they're all. I think they're D one, but oh yeah, Syracuse is D one. Syracuse invented D one lacrosse. Fuck. Did like. they, yeah. And it's just funny to hear, like, like them, John Hopkins, like those big, oh yeah, freaking Ivy Leagues and stuff like that along the East Coast. There, they invented D one lacrosse in the United States. This is true, and um, but that's where all like the Powells and the Gates and the, you know what I mean? Um, oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Shit, what's the what's the native family there? The Johnson boys and stuff like that. Like they all went to Syracuse or John Hopkins. Uh, what was his name? Um. Uh, Paul Rabel played Syracuse. What was freaking other guy's name? He got sponsored by STX. Oh. Um, he played at John Hopkins. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his name. But yeah, it's just funny to hear, you know, some Rhode Island kids praise some, you know, random native main player of lacrosse. They're like, oh, you went to Cape Elizabeth? Like, that's how small and, like, I guess, well-known you could be if you lived in those little states. Mm. They're like, they all praised me. And then the coach was like, hey, you're offhand as shit. So we'll see you at next tryouts. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but in my defense, Fucking... I'm defense. You don't, how many times did you, or you played defense, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So how many times a game did you switch to your offhand? Only the only time a D pole needs to be playing offhand is if they get you're playing man up defense, you get drug out of position following your man, and then the play transitions to an outlet pass and you're on the wrong side. Exactly. That's the only time you're gonna use your offhand. Because yeah. then you're breaking out, you'll need to switch out to keep your stick to the outside, so you have to switch to your offhand to make the outlet pass. If the outlet pass even comes to you in that crazy specific scenario. Right. And so you know, I looked at it, I'm like, okay, you're right. My offhand isn't as good as it could be. Um, and I understand in a, you know, collegiate, you know, aspect, you need to be a well-rounded player. So I, For sure. I was like, okay, I understand what you're saying. Like it, it really doesn't matter how good I am with my left hand or how good I am at defensive drills. You need me to be proficient with my offhand. I was like, I get it. You know, I've been out of lacrosse for what, three and a half years now. I took this as like a, you know, thank you for letting me try out and I'll get better. Hopefully I make the team, you know, down the road, but it's like glad I had that opportunity. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, the other thing is, is because coaches want you to be proficient on your offhand because in that scenario, I just like explained, they're like, yeah, we're, you're, you have to make the pass though. Right. Yeah. You you can't drop the pass, so you have to have a better offhand because that random scenario, when it does happen, I'm going to crawl up your ass if you drop the pass. Yeah, so then you'll be benched for the year. and uh, yeah. well, that's, You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that that that's why they want to see yeah. it, for sure. So I definitely get it, but it's just, you know, I guess it's yeah. 
in many terms, it's, it's I guess, petty. But again, I understand. Well, it's it's like training like snap scopes in Call of Duty. It's like, yeah, okay, that is a skill set that you should probably get better at if you want to be more competitive, like snap scoping with a sniper or something like that's a big skill. It's going to pay off in certain scenarios, but it's yeah, probably right. not where you should spend the majority of your skill development time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, maybe yeah. you just want to practice your ADS sensitivity or maybe you just want to practice like your corner checking or your, your map awareness. Like those are probably more important skills. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll see come next semester. We, at the team, I have a couple friends that have made the team and we coined this term. It's offhand October. So I think, you know, these next few days or weeks, I'll get down to the field with them and, start actually practicing my offhand like i care about it sweet one-handed wall ball man it's the best way to train offhand just one-handed wall ball really and that that translates even because i have a a midi stick or a short pole and that even translates to a long pole or i guess yeah, it would, yeah. for me the biggest way that you train hand proficiency it's all about top hand control right because your bottom hand is just a stabilizer so you're yeah, not really fair. you're not really worried about developing like offhand proficiency with your bottom hand because a that's your dominant hand anyway so that's where you're gonna have the most control and the most coordination is coming from your bottom hand now yeah. so you're really worried about your top hand so that you've got proper like pocket position you've got proper wrist break to get in control whip and ball rotation and stuff like that and cradling offhand obviously once you make the pass hand-eye coordination extending your hand out to make the catch offhand and like that's what you're practicing so that's why i like doing oh, one-handed okay, yeah. wall ball with a short stick is because you just choke up on your short stick and then you just wall ball and the beauty of it is just high repetition right yep. like once you get into it you're it's high repetition of the wrist break motion for your offhand and then once you start feeling like that that offhand coordination is there then stabilize the shit out of it with your coordinated bottom hand which is even better control because like for me i'm right-handed so oh, when okay. i'm playing offhand so sorry i'm right-handed but i shoot left so really? when i pr when i cradle i always cradle to the left hand side of me so but my right hand is my dominant hand so it, it's always been weird for sports with me but it's just the way i played so when i cradle over to my right like that it's just the physical mechanics of it are different so then you just fucking wall ball one-handed wall ball with a short stick and i actually took an old shitty paper thin aluminum one that i had yeah and i chopped the shit out of it and turned it into a little midget stick oh okay and then it's literally all i do so what i'll do is i i would just when i used to practice and train I would take that little midget cutoff stick. It honestly, it looked like a joke. Yeah. <laughs> and I would just go and I would just wall ball and I would do like a hundred successful reps. And then I would go get my D pole and I would do actual offhand work with my D pole. Oh, okay. So wait, you said you were, Oh, go ahead. No, go for it. I was just going to say you, so your dominant hand is your right hand, but you would shoot lefty. Yeah. So like, if you wanted me to write you an essay, I would write it with my right hand. Okay. But my pocket is coming up over my left shoulder. Am I? Okay. So, oh, all right. And I... it's the same, like, with hockey, my stick would be to my left side. 
baseball bat I would swing from left to right. Like oh, okay. I would stand on the right side of the plate. I think I'm honestly, I never played um, baseball past AAA, which is like, I mean, you're only like 10 years old. But I didn't play past T-ball. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I was, I could honestly be a switch hitter if I really tried. I have just that coordination on on both sides but yeah I'm, I'm weird with sports too like i'm i can write i'm right-handed um but i guess the way maybe i've been saying it wrong no i i couldn't have been my the pocket on my stick is on my left side mm-hmm. so my dominant hand's left-handed so it's just weird how that that changes yeah, but lacrosse is a weird sport. A lot of people find the the mechanics of lacrosse to be weird. The best analogy that I found to teach, I used to coach and stuff like that, especially at younger ages. Yep. And it's it's the catapult analogy. And when you start talking about the fact that you're basically turning your body into a catapult, I find that that is the only way that properly expresses the mechanics out of context for people. Otherwise, they just end up like they're trying to play tennis with the wrong fucking tool. <laughs> Oh, I see. Yeah. Cause you know, like people are like, pe- people are like, they, it's like they don't realize that they have a pocket and that that pocket will like guide the ball out. So you, that's when you see people like, You're like it's uh... just like top hand push, <laughs> just pure top hand push. And they're oh, like, yeah. okay, you got two hands on that stick. Let's see. Push, pull, push, pull. I see. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And you almost see people like jump throwing it. <laughs> and they like oh, leave yeah. their back foot all the way behind as they like, top hand push forward yeah i definitely remember doing that not vividly but i remember doing it <laughs> look man we've all learned right like you you're just trying to figure out the mechanics of it it's the same as like everybody goes through that transition where everything is sidearm oh yeah like, i'm so i'm so much more accurate when i do sidearm man because i'm just like it's so much more casual and relaxed like so, yeah. pick my target it's like no 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 <laughs> you've you've offered an entire plane of deviation to go on for your sidearm man yeah oh man nope. that's fine oh all right well i'm gonna hop off i got homework to do i was just about to say but yeah uh, yeah it was good talk and i we can i'm sure we're gonna do this tomorrow again with comedian but uh yeah for sure i imagine so all right well hope you have a good night man cheers brother best of luck with class tomorrow thank you thank you peace peace bro